0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the NFL Saints UK podcast on the First and 10 podcast network. I'm Jake Pittman and I'm here with my co-host Rowan Smith. Rowan, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Quick
1: turnaround this week. We're uh we're recording this on the well sort of early evening on the Thursday of uh, of Thanksgiving night and uh, I think the Saints run about 6 hours seven Yeah, hours
0: NFL Game Pass is is telling me 7 hours 46 minutes. So you're you're bullpark. Um it, it, Thanksgiving really crept up in me. It's not a holiday I follow very closely, but um, yeah, a, a big, a big game, tight turnaround from our game on Sunday, and also a tight turnaround from our previous game against the Falcons.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think there's a fair few people waiting quite, uh, quite keenly for this one. Um, uh, the Falcons to prove that uh, it wasn't a fluke last time and they can do it again, and uh, the Saints to see if they can rob a, a 50 burger in their faces this week.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm very hopeful of the latter. I was thinking about that uh quite a lot today. But it's being marketed as the headline kind of game of Thanksgiving. So I think as any NFC South rivalry between the Saints and Falcons would be. Um so fingers crossed. But first we've got some work to do recapping on uh the game Sunday's game against the Panthers, which was by no means uh an, as easy an affair as we thought it would be.
1: No, it started it started pretty solid. Um, I've got to say, with the uh, with the first few uh, first few possessions, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty easy. This is what we were hoping for, nice uh, nice casual day. And um, and then it kind of it went south pretty quickly. Um, I know we've had a few few games in the uh, in the sort of middle portion of this season where we've gone out to a big lead and then kind of let the other team back into it when it got towards the end and it wasn't really a competition anymore Chicago stands out for that one um but this time we seem to let Carolina back into it uh too easily and far too early
0: yeah I kind of I I was looking at it as a bit of a Chicago game and then they started getting a, a little bit too close for comfort and then they were a couple of Joey Sly misses away from probably winning uh this game so to me it definitely got too close for comfort against the quarterback who we'd been pretty down on in the in the preview the previous week
1: yeah there was um you expect jason slide to be doing better than that really he's, he's had a he's had a good season and um he's yeah i think i was looking at him as a uh, as a pick up a kicking pickup on uh, on the fancy league a while ago he's something like fifth or sixth ranked in the league and yeah, uh, yeah. an awful day really awful
0: the one that would have been the go-ahead uh, field goal before before Brees uh, led the Saints down the field for the winning field goal was was effectively a chip shot. And it just one of those ones that came right off the foot and just never looked like going in But from what a, whatever it was, like 30 yards out. Yeah, it
1: was um, 28, 30, something like that. It was, um, yeah. it should have been easy enough. And I was kind of watching that thinking, uh, OK, so they're going to kick this, it's going to go three points ahead. Then we'll we'll make the drive to either level it or see if we, and see if we can put it into overtime or if there's a gap to go for the win then we'll do that. But um, having a uh, having Breeze on the field with time and uh, just to get Will Lutz in the field goal range after that was far too simple.
0: Yeah, they are two of the most clutch players uh, to my mind on our squad. So having both of them uh, win the game for us was was well. I'd rather have the game in Wolats' hands than Joey Slay's, let's put it that way. Um, but what else stood out for you from that performance on Sunday? Um, it was, you don't want to
1: use the catchphrases, but it was that kind of two-halves idea. Um, to start off with, great pressure from the Saints. Um, exactly what we were talking about in the, uh, in the preview last week, of keeping that interior pressure and keeping the linebackers moving. Um, Christian McCaffrey was, was really struggling to get any headway over his first few drives, um, keeping the pressure on Kyle Allen and keeping, making him try for for shots down the field rather than just being able to dump it off to uh, to 22. And then towards the end, he just sort of started to, like we had with Julio Jones the other week, he just started to come good, started to get some more space and more leg room and, uh, and started to really hurt us.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he he seemed to find more open space. And I, you know, when you look at the the stat line, 22 carries for 64 yards at an average of 2.9 is is you know that would suggest that we did a great job of of locking him up. But it's his passing stats of nine catches for 69 yards. I mean, I think that's where he started to kill us a bit in open space. Um, similar to how we try and scheme Kamara open with lots of screen passes, I think the same sort of happened to McCaffrey as as the second half kind of evolved. And then you had DJ Moore having a big game as well, who's really emerging as a bit more of a, a threat for that Carolina offense, where we kind of spoke in depth about them not having too many weapons that we were worried about, but he was one guy we pinpointed as having some potential. He's definitely
1: got potential. He's uh, He's got a big career ahead of him, and he's going to be a, a solid player. Um, I think we made him look pretty good towards the end of that. Um, yeah. He's, He's a perfectly serviceable receiver. And if he works hard and he, you know, he keeps progressing like he is, then he's he's going to be he's going to be a standout player for that team. But he he was not that good, I don't think.
0: I agree. I think I, it, it struck me as bizarre, given this is so this is week two without Marshawn Lattimore and given a success against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin last week. I would have those pegged above DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel as a receiving duo, and yet we managed to make DJ Moore look uh, fairly prolific to the tune of 126 yards and, and two touchdowns. So <laughs> maybe some work to do there. There's whispers of Latimore being back this week, but I think he's still questionable for tonight.
1: Uh, yeah, I think obviously we, we would like Latimore back for, um, to deal with uh, Julio Jones, but I, I think for the, the way the season's going, there's a chance that we could wrap up the division tonight and um, we're looking at first or second seed really. Um, I think I'd rather have Lattimore back for, for the playoffs than for another game against, um, against Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I agree. So a a Saints win full stop locks up the, uh, locks up the division tonight, which is always a nice feeling with a few weeks to go. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, this, uh, this is traditionally a very strong division, and, and one that is uh, is difficult to take an early lead in. But this year, with without Cam Newton, with Jameis being Jameis, and uh, Atlanta having the the awful start that they had, um, it, it should be. This is the Saints' it's the Saints' division to lose, you'd say. Um, not to bring that back up from week two again. But I
0: was going to say uh, that that does sound like a familiar soundbite. But with, uh, I think it was Atlanta that was thrown in there something like that something incorrect um yeah this this
1: has been a, a long time coming this uh this sort of wrap up for the division this evening but i think from from midway through the season this has been pretty pretty straightforward this is what's going to happen so clinching it tonight i think we we probably earned that
0: yeah i think so and i think uh, encouraging signs from the that panthers games despite the proximity of the scoreline, to me um jared cook is someone who keeps getting better week on week, and is really starting to emerge into the weapon in the passing game that we hoped that he would. I don't know how much of that is a lack of chemistry, maybe with Bridgewater in those five weeks that he played quarterback, but uh, he seems to be a bit of a go-to target for, for Drew Brees when Michael Thomas isn't on the cards. Yeah, definitely. We're, um,
1: we've said time and again that uh, the the strength of the Saints as a franchise going forward is going to be based on how how much depth they get in behind Michael Thomas and um and how they kind of expand on on the receiving core um, Jared Cook had a had a good game this week and um we're trying to get more into that depth with with Murray doing better as a as a receiving back as well and scheming Kamara for more as difficult a season as he's having and i think that um you know the more we expand that that stable of receivers the easier the easier the franchise will be to continue whether it's Breeze or someone else
0: Basically, it just plays into your narrative of, of phasing out Teddy Ginn.
1: Um, we, I think, we had one play that I uh, I put on the uh, Saints Fat Twitter account of it's Ted Ginn doing Michael Thomas things, and it, it was <laughs> happened once, and I was I was shocked, and then it didn't happen again. That's
0: his that's his one and done.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can impress me once a year and that I'll probably do. Yeah, um,
0: that's
1: it. That's it for 19. Um, so Coming up to about 10 minutes of talking about this and we haven't mentioned penalties yet.
0: I feel like, well, we could talk about penalties over the last three weeks, but um, I did see a stat. I think over the last three weeks we have given away in the region of 35 penalties, which is by no means a good metric to be, um, <laughs> it's awful. There's no other word about it. We've been dancing around the subject, but there it is. 35 penalties over three weeks is not sustainable. No, it's not.
1: And for, for a franchise where you, you kind of expect them now with, with the quality of the of the veteran players on the roster and the quality of the coaching staff to be very tightly drilled, very well coached, giving away this many penalties is, is, is bizarre, frankly.
0: And it, but if you are Sean Payton in this situation and it was, it was an issue right at the start of the year when we first started doing this podcast, seemed to drop away for a few weeks. But, but now when you're approaching such a crucial time in the season, what, what do you do from here? Like, what's your approach in that locker room? I, I think you've got,
1: to, you've got to start spotting these trends as they're happening because we've, we've had things like illegal use of hands to the face, which is, which is just sloppy play at best. Yeah. These these things are gonna keep getting called and and there's a there's gonna be an argument from players in that locker room of oh it's a the refs are against us, it's a poor call, I didn't do it. But at the end of the day, if the referees are keeping calling this, you're giving them the opportunity to make the play. Whether it is actually a a penalty or not, whether it's like the you know, there are the odd one in there, like the the Jared Cook penalty on his breakaway pass at the yeah. start of the uh, First quarter that is is sort of hands messing about between a a big tight end and a small d b and they bump into each other and the guy falls over i mean there's there's no way in hell that that's opi but yeah at the same time if you're if you're giving a referee an opportunity to throw the flag and oh, look what i 've spotted as they tend to be then after a certain point, you've got to start to be smarter about this and not giving them the opportunity to do that.
0: I completely agree. I think, you know, often you see, you see the best sort of linemen in the game are very good at kind of clever holding penalties where it's, it's a very subtle hold that you get away with. Like illegal use of hands to their faces. There's nothing subtle about, you know, having a defensive lineman looking at the sky. Um, they're getting into the realm of unforgivable penalties. And the issue is now with Tyrone Armstead's out, Andres Peters out, uh, there might be a couple more linemen out, I think, or at least questionable for tonight. When you've got a unit like that that is a bit banged up, you can't allow penalties to hurt you even more. Um, and I think to me that's my real concern is, is that O-line has probably been the most consistently guilty unit um, over the course of this year, despite the quality with which they protect the quarterbacks. I think the penalties that creep in are, are potentially pretty damaging. Yeah, and you, um
1: again, I, I don't want to jinx this, but you tend to see play like this where the penalties start to creep up and there be more and more uh, little sort of niggly issues in there when when lines start to get old. So you had this with Dallas a few years ago. And yes. Yeah. Cleveland, when, when Joe Thomas was coming towards the end of his career. The thing that concerns me about this is that for the likes of Armstead. Um, are we starting to see the older hands on that line starting to fade is this the is this the beginning of where the the speed and the the athleticism is starting to let them down and they're having to rely on technique and try to cover up mistakes that they're making and um, this this might be the start of a um, of a little bit of a drop-off in that sense protection
0: yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about Eric McCoy a lot, though, is, is that there, is, there, there are bright spots and Andrews Pete's still young, but I do agree, maybe it's just a period. I remember even Jari Evans, who one of the great Saints O-line men of, well, ever, I guess you'd argue, like had his moments as well. It dropped off towards the end of his career. Um, I think it's just an inevitability that it happens. Matt Khalil, another example, in New York at the Jets, just, they can't do it anymore. Once you get to a certain point, Um but hopefully, you know, for the sake of our next few games and and for the the hopefully lengthy playoff run that we have ahead of us, um, it's something that as a unit they can come together and, and try and help to alleviate, if not eliminate. Yeah, I, I really hope so, because you've got
1: you've got very young faces in there, and Ramchick and McCoy, and as you say, even Andres P. And then the old hands who are supposed to be looking after them and uh, and supporting them through this. So if you've got Younger players making young player mistakes and old men making old man mistakes. Then yes. you don't have that <laughs> ability in between. Um, yeah, it's if we are going to make the the solid run in the playoffs that we expect, you can't be giving away. What was it 123 yards on, on
0: penalties? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it was about 11 for 123, I think, which is well, I'll do the math. But yeah, it was it was horrific. No
1: team in. In the league is good enough to to beat playoff-caliber teams by more than 120 yards. That's not that's not going to happen.
0: No. But on a more positive note, I thought at this point in the season, playoff uh, Pro Bowl voting has begun. Whether you have any a shortlist, maybe from the Saints roster of, of of players you think would be nailed on for the Pro Bowl at this point.
1: Um, if you'd asked me at the start of the season, I'd have had. A very different crop of players from what I would now say. Um, for me, I, as hard as it is to say, I don't feel like Alvin Kamara is on that list.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Um, he's is a, a fantastic player, and he's he's playing very well in a in a system that is designed strongly for him. Um, but for whatever reason, whether it's the the shift in the dynamic with no Mark Ingram or having having Breeze out for the middle of the year and not having his rhythm and the kind of system he likes. Uh, he's, he's not having the production we'd hope for. Um, so I, I think I would have had him as a nailed on pick at the start of the year. And I'd have hoped for a couple of other offensive bodies and a couple of defensive bodies, but um, to pick one from either side of the ball, well, we'll do, I'll do three. I'll do offense, defense, special teams. Yep. Offense has to be my honest, no doubt. Yep. Um, if you, you uh I have discussions like this with uh, uh fans of other teams about whether he's the the best receiver in the league and I honestly don't think he is talent wise, I think he could be. But I'd give that to uh to DeAndre Hopkins, but hmm. definitely the most productive receiver in the league. And the records he's setting, the, the quality of the year he's had is just is undeniable for me. Yeah. Um defensive to Mario Davis yeah. uh, as a as strong a, uh, a defensive quarterback as you're going to see anywhere in the league this year, especially in our, in our conference. And, um, and I think Thomas Morstead should be a in on, uh, on special teams again.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on, on all three of those. I think Thomas, we, you know, we've spoken about, we spoke about at length last week. Uh, Ramchick for me is, was maybe until recent sort of weeks, I thought he was potentially all pro, if not pro bowl. Um, so, but I think, again, Demario Davis, he makes, it, he makes a big play every single week. He had a sack against Carolina. He was had the interception the week before. I think he's been outstanding. And to me, like, Von Bell on the cusp, Marshawn Latimore without the injury, definitely on the cusp as well. Um, but, yeah, and I think Thomas Morstead has just been one of the, the best and most consistent punters uh, in the league for years. Will Lutz, maybe borderline as well. Um, but then you've got guys like Greg Zerline in the NFC too that, and uh yeah but no i think we're on the same page there
1: i think um i i like Lutz for that uh for that spot and i think he's had a great season and he's he's come through in the clutch when we've needed him to there's just that one little bit of the year where he he fell off and, yeah uh,
0: almost two weeks
1: yeah it's that, it's that close between being a great kicker and a good kicker um, Yeah for one spot in the, in the pro bowl that I think that'll probably hurt him. But yeah, if we look at, at Thomas and Davis and more so that I can't, I can't see where they've put a foot wrong this year at all.
0: My worry with Davis is that he maybe i I'd be intrigued by the perception of him from non saints fans. Cause to me, he just stands out every single week as the leader of that defense and the heart and soul of it. But I'd be intrigued as to whether he is perceived to be as maybe influential as someone like Cam Jordan, uh, by fans of other teams
1: I uh, I think if you're looking at a um, if you're looking at a team that is number one ranked in the league against the rush uh, against the run sorry um, the immediate person you look for as to who who's doing that is your Mike Backer and, yeah. um I think he's he has to take a huge amount of credit for that there's all the work he does against the pass as well and in coverage and, and the odd, uh, odd rush in there as well for you know, putting a pressure, putting pressure on the quarterback. But against the run as a, as a tackling machine, he's just been, yeah, completely unbeatable this year.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I've, I've been massively impressed by him. Uh, I, I think it would be a joke if he didn't, but that was the base of my question. I'm, I'm, I just don't know if people uh, perceive him as favourably as maybe we do through our um, gold-tinted glasses. Black and gold. Black and gold. Black and gold. Yeah. And gold sorry. <laughs> um. And your point about Will Lutz, just to go back to that, I think the same could the same probably would have applied to Joey Sly until this week, as you said, from a, a fantasy perspective, an outstanding kicker, uh, pretty much up until this week, and then suddenly have a, a few blown kicks, and and they've got someone else in working out their, their kicking leg this week. So it it does go to show how uh fickle that position can be. But looking ahead yeah. to uh, yeah. oh sorry,
1: go ahead. Oh, I'm just... So it's uh, it's very easy to start looking at um, at players like like the kicker and uh, and like the odds the issues of quarterback and generally the the person who's who's stood behind the line by himself, whatever position it is, when you are heading for a uh, what's probably going to be a seven and nine record for Carolina, um, they they need scapegoats and it's easy to find that in a kicker who's had a great year and then one bad day.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think they have far bigger issues than that. And I don't think Kyle Allen's been terrible, but I mean, their defense uh, has kind of not, has kind of escaped a lot of criticism where I think, you know, they, they did nothing. I didn't think they were particularly impressive against us. Um, They got a couple of sacks, but other than that, there were no real kind of, they didn't force any big plays, didn't force any uh, big turnovers apart from one interception from Brees. But other than that, I thought, you know, they were, they were fairly average. Yeah, I mean they, they they just don't have a secondary is there is yeah it's gonna
1: keep coming basically. They, as soon as the ball gets past the uh past the first line defence, there's just there's nothing there. Um, yeah, you Eric would Reed's a great play, tackling
0: safety, but he's he doesn't do much in terms of coverage.
1: No. not anymore. And you would think that a team that had Eric Reid, Luke Keithly, Shaq Thompson and uh and Gerald yeah. McCoy Yeah yeah. Um you know, these guys have you know they're, they're either bright young talents or or massive like, Shouts for or should be Shouts for Hall of Fame jackets at some point I mean with how dangerous McCoy was on the box he's just he's just gone missing this year I've, yeah I've seen really him
0: even yeah. Uh, and the, probably the one panther I, I have a real soft spot for FA Abade, like he, he's kind of he's gone very quiet when you look at some of the other names they have Duntari Poe Bruce Irvin, like guys who were Huge in their sort of first teams, um, and even Brian Burns, the rookie, has been quite, uh, quiet as well. Yeah, I mean, he had a good
1: start to the year, and he, he looked like he was gonna, he, he was gonna go a long way. And then it's just sort of, I don't know whether it's having uh, having the defense on the field for longer with uh, yeah. with quarterback, what it is, but he's just, yeah, they, they've all just faded away.
0: Well, we've got them one more in the last game of the season, but in the meantime, we have another divisional matchup to uh, to brief and that is the Falcons again. We've already touched on it, but what are your key points to look forward to this weekend? Uh, to this weekend? Tonight? Tonight.
1: <laughs> um, just before we do, if I can, I, uh, I feel like we've, uh, we've got one more thing to address. Uh, what was your favourite Jameis Winston interception of the week?
0: Oh, <laughs> Jameis time, man. Um, this, was a, this was a funny game, um, Bucks-Falcons. <laughs> it made me so happy on so many levels because you had the combination of Winston having a really up and down game, but ultimately winning against Atlanta, who I just always like to see lose. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't wasn't ready for this. Uh, what what was yours?
1: (laughs) Oh, preparation. Um, it was the, it was the second one. It was the little dink and dunk for, um, yeah uh nobody's open panic throwing the double coverage in the middle of the field while jumping while looking in the other direction um it's the sort of thing that if patrick mahomes did it it would put him would give him a 70 yard score and put him on the cover of madden but uh he is not yeah, patrick mahomes
0: bit, but james no exactly did it with his left-handed throws like it just doesn't car- carry them off with the same flair as someone like mahomes um
1: but ultimately you know
0: he he, he threw one hundred and eighty four yards to chris Godwin alone, so who are we to uh you know beat the Falcons go on well, we'll I think this class. is where we
1: look for uh, for for the preview for next week um he they seem to be pretty beatable to these broken play uh shots up the middle that that Jared Cook was doing really well with this week against carolina so um I mean for me it's got to be it's got to be hitting that secondary hard and and seeing if we can break cook loose but did you uh, did you see anything in the in the midst of the the mistakes in uh in box falcons for um for how we beat them this week
0: well I mean everything it it basically seemed like everything they did that really threatened us when they beat us which to me was just those kind of three man rushes and sort of all in blitz, all out blitzes the Created so much pressure at the line of scrimmage. All of that went missing. They didn't touch Winston pretty much all game. Um, so to me, it was it was like looking at a, a completely different unit. Um, and so to be honest, I mean, this will sound a lot like the preview of the, the last time uh, we were playing the Falcons. I just I didn't see anything that really worried me. They're without Devonta Freeman. Um, Matt Ryan is taking a lot of hits because his offensive line is just woeful. Uh, which means Julio Jones isn't getting too much of the ball. So Austin Hooper is also out this time and he did have a good game against us two weeks ago. So to me, I kind of reiterate probably what I said uh, two, three weeks ago that I just don't see any real threat from Atlanta in their current form.
1: No, um, I I think that the way that they they dealt with the game last time and and the strategy that they came through with... um, I, that was that was the way to beat us, and it shouldn't have worked, but it did. And uh, you know, like we said afterwards, you you always learn more from a defeat than you do from a victory. And I am sure that uh, if they do try to pull the same kind of system again, that uh, that Payton and the coaching staff will be ready for it. And as you said, without without Freeman, without Hooper, they are they are short on already quite a limited stable of options. Um, so having Having Lattimore out and knowing that the ball is coming to Jones if they get any uh, any opportunity, I think I think we can be ready for that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I mean I think that's exactly the point. The um, the fact that they beat us once before, I mean, there's no way Peyton would ever want them to do a double on us in a season, and I imagine they will have game planned quite extensively um, for this team who are, as you said, without a couple of their key weapons. So I just think there's Every opportunity for us to get one back on them um, and to clinch the division tonight. Yeah, um, I'm
1: I am roughly as confident as I was the first time. Yeah, right. But uh, this this should be an easy run to 10-2 really. Um, It it should
0: be. I think the way the O line's playing, it could be a, a good day for our defensive line. Gives Cam Jordan a chance to up his sack total, which is looking pretty healthy for this year. Um, a couple more splash plays from our guy Demario Davis and
1: yeah 10-2 We just need Cam Jordan to be a, a little bit cleverer when he's uh, trying to punch the ball out at the end of the play Oh uh, no <laughs> <laughs> but, his, uh, his
0: response yeah. to that on Twitter um, was quite insane I, I don't know if you want to talk the listeners through through the incident because I'd love to hear your take on it but his he was quite humble on Twitter about it in the aftermath
1: uh, I, I didn't see his, his Twitter response, but um, I mean, we've all done it. It was a uh, uh, he, he had the quarterback held up, and as the whistle went, uh, I think it was him and I think it was him and Davis uh, had met at, at Kyle Allen, and uh, just as the whistle went, uh, Allen was falling over, and Jordan went to uh, went to punch the ball out um, as as you're trained to do, and I think you so it might have been von bell on on the very next play doing exactly the same thing at the yeah, end of the play exactly. so sort of. yeah. you, you stop the momentum and then you you rip at the football and try and get the turnover so that's what he was doing and uh, as he as he did that the whistle went and it was it was slightly late and then uh, Kyle Allen being Kyle Allen he uh, decided to sort of shuffle his weight so the ball was out of the way and uh, and Cam Jordan couldn't get at it and then fall over and wave his arms around, going, the <laughs> yeah. um, he hit me.
0: Yeah. Cam's defense was just so he didn't hear the whistle. So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll buy that because it was a late whistle. Um... Uh,
1: I mean, as we as we say often with this, whenever you get a, apart from the Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett thing, where, see, that's <laughs> yeah. a different situation. But when, it's very difficult to hurt people by punching them when you're wearing what is effectively plastic armor it's yes. punching someone's oh, helmet hurts a lot more hurts you a lot more than it does then absolutely and um, this idea that I, I don't know why cam jordan gets it so often but he seems to he seems to play in a way that that generates like uh, still images from videos that look really bad there was one <laughs> from uh, from the rams game last year where so he someone had, uh, had tackled uh, I think it was Gurley, uh, not the running back down, and uh, and then Cam Jordan had sort of he come in at the end, but against blocking a different player and had jumped over him, and someone had taken the still that made it look like he was stamping on Todd Gurley's head, which. Right. Never- <laughs> so that there's a still this one which looks like he's holding Kyle Allen and punching him in the face, <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's really on the streak of um of being filmed. Not doing things that are awful,
0: yeah. I mean, in the aftermath of Mason Rudolph, instant, I'll I'll believe anything, I've I've seen it all now. Um, but but yeah, at the time I watched that, I was like, I cannot believe uh, that that was a penalty, but yeah, we are talking Cam Jordan, not Miles Garrett here. Yes, sorry, yes, sorry, yeah, but yeah, to clarify, absolutely, Cam Jordan. Uh, I was, I was surprised by that one, but you know, letter of the law, he um was in the wrong
1: yeah, yeah. it's just the I, I think now that we've got the uh the past interference reviews that will we hope will get better the next officiating
0: <laughs> can, only is, uh,
1: can only get better um yeah the, the next officiating change i want to see is flags for simulation because that's you yeah, know the uh the diving issue you get in in football in soccer football and yeah. um the kind of penalties you get in in rugby and things like that for people messing around. There's too much at the moment of, particularly quarterbacks, <laughs> but people flopping around on the floor and waving their arms around. And, Oh no, he hit me! It's, yeah, it's collision sport, and yeah, that kind of thing just needs to be gotten rid of. So you
0: it's, know, what it's what a sorry, a complete sort of, soccer just, football that's in that's the first a... place. Well, no, I, I sympathise because it's what turned me off watching. Uh, soccer football um and you see it creeping into other sports like basketball it's quite prevalent at the moment and now you see it in football as well and, and even in rugby and you go well, these guys are crashing into each other to to flop like that seems to sort of be uh totally against everything that they train for <laughs> which is high collision
1: there's a there's an element of gamesmanship of
0: I oh yeah, I of course it will
1: help my team but and then there's just flopping about so yeah i uh didn't get a lot of, uh, didn't gain a lot of respect for Kyle Allen there for, um, yeah, waving his arms around, can, pretending he'd been here.
0: No, well, I think we're agreed on that. And so just to finish off, so besides that, uh, the previous Falcons game, the other four games, the last four games we've played, we've scored 34, 34, 31, and I think 36 points. Are you going to double down with your prediction and, and peg us in the 30s again? I think I've got
1: to really I I don't see a right lot of threat coming from Atlanta but I think um, as we do seem to be fading away at the end of games there's probably and they seem to get stronger at the end of games there's uh, probably a couple of um, couple of scores in there for them so I am going to go 31-17 Saints this week.
0: 17, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 35-21. I think Saints by two two clear scores, um, but I think they will get a, a couple of ones late on as as we've been warned to give away. But I still think we we finish. We'll wake up tomorrow morning to a, a 10-2 uh, record, having clinched the NFC South.
1: Oh, are you're not staying up till uh, half past one? Uh, well, I,
0: I think I'm meant to be uh, on a bit of a jolly tonight, so I, I might get home in time to watch it. <laughs> well, um, there you go, that's that's my night sorted.
1: Well, uh, make sure you enjoy your evening, and uh, and for everyone else who's the thousands of people that are clearly listening at home, we uh, <laughs> as it. always, all can of you us, all of those, you can follow us uh, at Saints Fat on Twitter and. Uh, Please remember to like, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. And uh, we shall see you after Thanksgiving nights uh, next week. Perfect.
0: Thanks.